God for Joseph and our worship team and our band, how they lead us in worship each week. It's been um, a real honor for me over the last two years to serve with you, Joseph, and see how you um, use music and arts to just accompany everything that we do in ministry. So thank you, brother, for your gifts and for how you lead. So good morning, Sanctuary. Uh, my name is Edrin. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, it's an honor and privilege to be with you today and to have this opportunity to share uh, through preaching with you this morning. Uh, we have been over the last eight weeks in a series that we're calling Beautiful Outlaw. Beautiful Outlaw is based on a book by the same title by a brother named John Eldridge. Um, the subtitle is Experiencing the Playful, Disruptive, Extravagant Personality of Jesus. And so we have had over the course of eight weeks an opportunity to examine the personality of Jesus from many different angles, uh, getting a sense of who Christ was as he walked this earth um, and what that means for us as followers of Jesus. And so I want to jump in uh, so we, we can get into the word and so that we can share in communion together here at the end of our service. I want to begin uh, with a little bit of a confession that I have spent over the last several weeks some time thinking about online dating. Not for myself. As you know, I have a most wonderful wife of 12 and a half years, Shaniqua, someone that I love a lot and fear a little bit as well. Uh, Shaniqua has, is a military veteran, and so I know without a doubt that if things ever went sideways between us, she could hurt me. Uh, and so I love her a lot, and I fear her about, about that much. Um, and so I was not researching online dating for myself. I was really studying it to get a sense of how it has become such a phenomenon in our society. It has, in a short while, gone from something being relatively taboo, something that had a stigma or a shame attached to it, and it has become a phenomenon. It has become a very regular part of our everyday lives. Research from the Pew Research Institute says that in 2016, one out of every five relationships began through online dating. One out of every five relationships began out of, through online dating. And I'm certain that over the last three years, that has only continued to grow. In fact, here in our ministry, I've had the privilege of marrying a number of wonderful couples. And in our premarital counseling sessions, I asked the question of everyone, how did you first meet? And many of them have said, we met through online dating. One critical aspect of online dating is the work or the concept of being able to more efficiently uh, find and choose the person that you might feel to be the right one. While some of those who use online dating and dating apps are most certainly looking for a hookup, there are still many more people who engage in online dating with the hope that the person they connect with just might be the one. So it could be Match.com or eHarmony or Bumble or Coffee Meets Bagel or Black People Meet or my personal favorite, Christian Mingle. Whatever you use, 
many people go to these, these places and they have a list in mind. They're looking for someone who might be smart or kind, physically attractive, someone who has a job, a well-paying job, someone who sees marriage and kids in their future, perhaps, someone who owns a passport. Tinder is one of the most popular dating apps, especially young, uh, among young adults. And there's a whole list of Tinder jokes that I could tell right now, but I don't want to get in trouble today. It's too cold outside. One of the things I, I do find interesting about Tinder is that it makes it so easy to choose uh, someone or turn someone down. You swipe right if you like a person. You swipe left if you don't like them. Is that correct? Nobody's going to admit that they use Tinder in church. But I'm pretty sure that's, that's correct. There's a, there's a huge amount of research um, being done right now on the impact of online dating. Some Research says that it's good. Some that says that, that, that there's, there's mixed results around it. Whatever your thoughts are, here's, here's why I mention it today. We cannot dismiss online dating because studies predict by 2040, 70% of all relationships will have begun online. I grew up in a time when online dating meant asking a girl to go out while you're in the lunch line. <laughs> I'm not that old, but... But online dating is here, and I don't know that it's going anywhere. And it's a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of energy deployed in the work of trying to choose the right one. Perhaps you're here today and you're not in the dating market. I want to suggest that all of us, to some degree, go through life sizing up others and making choices about their fitness to fulfill some role in our lives. Perhaps you're in a season where you need advice around career or finances. There are some people that you will listen to, and there are other people that you have no business at all taking counsel from in these areas. Let's say you, for some reason, were looking to hire personal security or bodyguards. Some people would fit the bill. There are other people who simply should not be asked to serve as bodyguards. Let's say you're preparing to go on, on vacation or travel. There are some folks that you would invite and love to spend that time with having fun. And then there are other people who, even if you really like them, you're like, I would never, ever want to travel with that person. But don't worry, because your travel buddy, that fun person, is most likely not the person you would call in a crisis. Because what's good in Cancun often doesn't serve you well in a crisis. What I'm trying to say this morning is all of us have a diversity of needs. All of us have needs in our life, big pressing needs and small nagging needs. All of us have these needs and they are never all satisfied in any one person. So instead of re 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 withdrawing from people until a perfect person comes along, we engage in a bit of mix and match in our life. We, we engage people in their area of strength or in their specialized skill. For example, my barber, my dentist, my mechanic, and my butcher are not all the same person. What makes someone an excellent butcher would make them a, a terrible dentist. And so we mix and we match and we find someone who can check most of our boxes or whatever box is most needed in the moment. But brothers and sisters, what if we could find someone somehow 
and find everything we need in one person? What if every good thing could somehow be bound up in one individual? What if we could actually find the one? I want to reiterate for us today what we've been working to help you see throughout this entire series, and that is that Jesus is that one. Jesus is the one. The overarching hope of this book and of this series has been to help you see that Jesus is the one. That, that we, We've worked hard and, and spent much time in preparation and in prayer so that you might hear, believe, and be transformed by the revelation that Jesus Christ is the one. That Jesus is the fullness of the divine in all its vastness and riches. We, we want you to see that Jesus is beautiful. The hope has been that as we lift up what the scriptures teach about Jesus and examine Jesus's life from various angles, that we would see that Jesus is all, that Jesus is fully sufficient, that Jesus is the one in that everything we need is wrapped up in. Everything we need is bound up in the risen Christ. That's been our hope for this series. I grew up in South Carolina, and the pastor of the small church that I attended in my childhood pastored actually two churches, one church, ours, that was very small, and a larger church. And there, was t- there were times when we would gather together as two, separate, as two congregations, and there was a woman in my pastor's other church, the Good Hope Missionary Baptist Church, and her name was Miss Rosalie Britt. She was about six foot five, six foot seven But as a kid, she looked like she was about eight or nine feet tall to me. And this woman had an incredible voice. And whenever our churches would come together for worship, there was one song that she would always sing. That song was titled, Christ is All. She said, I don't possess houses or land, fine clothes or jewelry. Sorrows and cares of this old world my life seems to be. I have, but I have Christ who paid the price way back on Calvary. For Christ is all, all in all this world to me. She would go on in the chorus would say, Christ is all. He's everything to me. Christ is all. He rules the land and sea. Christ is all. Without him, nothing would be for Christ is all. All in all, this world to me. And she would sing that song and sing that song until it was as if the Holy Spirit was running around the aisles of that church. And I wonder today, Sanctuary Covenant, when we hear those words that Christ is all, what does it help us to believe about Jesus? Perhaps the word perfect comes to mind. And perfect is, is a, a good word to use relating to Jesus. We, we even sing about it when we sing the song, Good, Good Father. You remember that part? You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways, perfect in all of your ways to us. You're a good, good father, who you are. You know the song. But I want to suggest today that when it comes to seeing and experiencing Jesus, the word perfect comes up a little bit short. It's imperfect. 
You see, when I think about perfect, I think about a piece of furniture, perhaps a table that has been handcrafted and comes out perfectly. When I think about perfect, I think about a math equation. When I think about perfect, I think about my jump shot. Some of you have seen me play. Evan, you're not the only one. But it's, it's pretty perfect. But I don't want to think about my jump shot and Jesus in the same way. So perfect does not actually work. I, I, I prefer to think about Jesus as being beautiful. You see, Jesus is not an object. Jesus is not a theory. Jesus is not an idea. Jesus is God. He's God with us. Jesus is living and moving and active in the world. And when I think about Jesus, the word that most helps me to see who Jesus is, is beautiful. Beautiful. Jesus is beautiful. And so this morning at the end of this series, we want to grow together as a people of God. And I want to invite you to continue to see Jesus as our beautiful outlaw. I want to invite you to see and savor the richness of his glory. Consider the beauty of Jesus. Consider the, the, the generosity that we see from Jesus in creation. The way that nature screams of a generous creator. Think of the juxtaposition of scandal and utter goodness. The ways in which goodness and evil are, are often side by side in our world, but we are not consumed by that evil. Think of the beauty of the ferocity of a thunderstorm, which can scare us, but also washes away the impurities of the world. Consider the humility of Jesus who left the place in heaven and came and dwelt among us. Consider the humility of walking countless miles up and down the dirt roads of Jerusalem and Palestine. Consider and remember the Lord planting himself, not among the high and mount, the mighty, but among the sinners and the outcasts. Remember the way, the beautiful way in which Jesus touched the man who had leprosy, who came to him to be healed. Brothers and sisters, consider the beauty of Jesus reclining at table with friends, laughing out loud and retelling wonderful stories of things they had encountered along their way. Consider the beauty of Jesus letting a woman who had a terrible reputation come to him and sit at his feet and anoint his feet with her tears and perfume. Consider the scandalous beauty of Jesus allowing himself to be betrayed and mocked and beaten and nailed to a cross for our sake. And remember the scandalous beauty of Jesus giving and pouring out his life for us. Brothers and sisters, if you don't remember anything we've said in this series, I want you to remember this, that Jesus is our beautiful outlaw. Jesus embodies the very best there is in God's kingdom, and he does this in such a way that all the various facets of his personality, they find perfect harmony alongside one another. His, his goodness and his faithfulness, his justice and his love are not competing against one another. Jesus is beautiful. And our lives in Christ are an ongoing surprise because we never know for certain how Jesus is going to show up and reveal himself to us. Now, if you're A-type, that scares you because you want to plan Jesus showing up, right? You want to be able to formulate how Jesus is going to show up. 
But here's the confidence that we can have in Jesus, that when he shows up and however Jesus shows up, he shows up in just the right way we need him and when we need him the most. Jesus is, brothers and sisters, our beautiful outlaw. Good news is we were created for authentic relationship with Jesus. Like we don't have to set up our profile and attract Jesus's attention. Jesus already knows us and already loves us. And even when we don't acknowledge it, we are also desperately in need of Jesus. We are desperate for a relationship with him. And so if Jesus is as beautiful as I've said, and if Jesus, if we were created for a relationship with him, the question might become for us this morning, how do we respond to this beautiful outlaw? How do we respond if Jesus is who the scriptures seem to say he is? The first response is simply this, love Jesus. It almost seems too simple. Love Jesus. That's our first response to this beautiful outlaw. It is to love Jesus with all that's within us. It is to make a practice of loving Jesus. I I grew up with a black Baptist mama. And I grew up in abject poverty. We lived in a mobile home with holes in the floor, leaks all in the roof, We had electricity because we ran electricity, an electric wire or a cord from our neighbor's house. We didn't have indoor plumbing. Until I went to college, I'd never lived a place with indoor plumbing. We had nothing. But I would wake up in the morning and I'd hear my mama walking around that old raggedy house saying, thank you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for this house. Thank you for my health. Thank you for my strength. Thank you for my car. She was, she was actually praying that it would crank up when she would go outside. I didn't always appreciate what was going on there. I was trying to get my sleep. And she's walking around talking to Jesus as if he's right there in the hallway with her. But what my mother was, was showing me in those moments was she was tuning her heart to Jesus. Even though she didn't have everything that she needed, even though life was hard, she was tuning her heart to Jesus. And that's what I want to encourage us to do this morning. If Jesus is our beautiful outlaw, our first and most precious responsibility is to love Jesus, to love Jesus with all that's within us. So what is your practice of tuning your heart to Jesus? For some of us, it's simply we need to get out into nature and see the beauty of what God has created. And rather than simply taking it in, as you're observing it, begin to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this snow that seems to be everywhere. Thank you for the sun that gives us hope that the snow will be gone soon. Thank you, Jesus. You, you, you may need to find you a worship song, something that helps you to take your mind off of whatever situation you're going through and focus your mind back on Jesus. 
Find a worship song and play it over and over again. And don't just listen as it's playing. Rehearse your love for Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me first. Here's why this is a challenge for many of us. When we think about love, we think about love as just a feeling. But love is, just, is not just a feeling. Love is also a posture and a practice. If you're married, you know love is more than just a feeling. It has to be more than a feeling. But we're asking you to cultivate a posture and a practice of loving Jesus. Open up God's word and let God's word remind you of God's love for you. And as you're reading it, profess that love for Jesus. Now, brothers in the room, sometimes we struggle with expressing love. Not all of us, but a lot of us. We're not off the hook for this. And however, whatever the words need to be for you to say, Jesus, I love you, bro. Whatever, whatever it needs to be, we also need to tune our hearts to Jesus. Our world is often in shambles because we have a lot of men running around whose hearts have never been tuned to Jesus. We're working out our hurt and our pain on other people. Brothers, hear me. We too need to tune our hearts to Jesus. So the question for us is simply this, am I increasingly growing in love for Jesus? So our first response is to love Jesus. Our second response is to share life with Jesus. Share life with Jesus. Let Jesus be himself fully with you. Give Jesus full access to your life and not just parts of your life. There's a period in European history and in the history of the church called the Crusades. The Crusades are, the, are periods where professional soldiers, mercenaries, killers were hired by the church to wage war on behalf of the church. And the story is told that before they were able to join a crusade, a soldier had to be baptized. It had to be, he had to be baptized so that he could symbolize his loyalty to the church. But there was a dilemma for the knights. They were willing to go along with it so that they could fight and be paid, but they were not willing to surrender full control of themselves to anyone. And so if you've seen pictures of it, these crusaders would get baptized and they'd hold their swords up out of the water. And so their bodies would be fully immersed, but their swords were never getting wet. And they said that I trust Jesus with my life, but on this battlefield, I only can trust my sword. I wonder what this looks like in our life. What is it that we have said, Jesus, you can have all the other parts of me, but this part of me, I'm going to keep to myself. There's a meme that goes around social media and some folks have made t-shirts about it. It says, I'm saved, but you can still catch these hands. <laughs> Say, Jesus has my soul, but these hands still belong to me. And it's funny, but it's bad theology. <laughs> Jesus comes to us like a John Legend song, saying, all of you, I want all of, Jesus says to us, he says to us, all of me, 
loves all of you. I'm not going to say that line because I don't want to get in trouble. He says, your curves and your edges, your perfect imperfections. He says, give your all to me. I'll give my all to you. You're my end and my beginning. Even with that, all of you is what Jesus is after. And so in the church I grew up in, they would say 99 and a half won't do. Jesus has come to redeem all of us, even those holy hands of yours. So the question for us is today, does Jesus have full access to you? Does he have access to you on Sunday, but also beyond Sunday? Have you allowed Jesus into your finances, into your romance, into your parenting, into your friendships, into your hobbies? Is the life of Jesus fully permeating your life? Love Jesus. Share life with Jesus. The third and final response for us today in responding to this beautiful outlaw is simply this, to live Jesus. That's our theme for this year, to live Jesus. When I say live Jesus this morning, I'm talking about letting Jesus's life fill you, heal you, and then express itself through you. We've spent nearly eight weeks helping you to see the wonders of Jesus's life and personality. And here's one more sweet revelation for you as we move towards our close today, that not only do you get Jesus, you get to live Jesus's life. Every wonderful truth that we've learned about who Jesus is, is available to us. Everything that the scriptures teach us about the life of Jesus is available to us. This is what Jesus believed. This is what Jesus taught us. John 4 and 12 says this, Verily, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing, and they will do even greater thing than, things than these, because I am going to the Father. Jesus taught us that all of us who would follow after him will be empowered to take up his mantle. Our Lutheran brothers and sisters calls it being the hands and feet of Jesus. That we are called to be Jesus's hands and move forward the work of Jesus in the world. We are called to be Jesus's feet and to move the purposes of Jesus into the world. But the twist is simply this today, that living the life of Jesus is not simply trying harder to be a good person or working harder to fix all the broken things in the world in our own strength. Rather than just being about striving for more, Living Jesus is about allowing Jesus' life to fill us, to heal us, and then work through us. And so when you say, I'm living Jesus, you're saying, Jesus is filling me, Jesus is healing me, and Jesus is then working through me. Jesus is filling me, Jesus is healing me, and Jesus is working through me. This is about surrender. This is about praying a prayer that says, Lord, I give my life to you today so that you might live through me. And as we love Jesus and experience Jesus and allow his life to fill our lives, the personality of Jesus transforms our personalities. The, the timid become bold. The bold become more patient. 
The patient become fierce. The uptight become free. The religious become scandalously good. Brothers and sisters, we are called to give ourselves to this beautiful outlaw, knowing that by his grace, we are becoming beautiful outlaws ourselves. We have the confidence to give our life to Jesus, knowing that he gives his very life right back to us. I want to invite Peter up as we move to a close. If anybody can grab him. Here, here's, here's how I started. started by talking about online dating. And I talked about the fact that we often, in that process of online dating, are trying to choose the one. We're trying to, we're trying to find the one who checks all of our boxes or as many of them as we can. But there's another side of online dating. But not only are we choosing, we're trying to get chosen as well. Yes, you're looking for someone to check all of your boxes, but you're also hoping that you can check all of theirs as well. Here's the thing. Sometimes what is true for online dating slips into our spiritual life as well. We begin to spend too much time and energy trying to dress ourselves up for God. We feel like we have to win God's approval and fix ourselves up so that then God will love us. But here's here's the good news of the gospel, that we were chosen long before we even knew enough to dress ourselves up. That we were chosen by God in our mess, that we were tore up, that we were jacked up, and somebody still thought we were worth enough to choose us. And we were not simply chosen by anybody. We were chosen by a beautiful outlaw. Perhaps it's still not clear why it's such a big deal that Jesus chose us. Here's how Colossians 1, 15 through 20 paints the picture of who it is that chose us. And I want you to listen to this because it will help you see why it's such a big deal. You and I were chosen even before we cleaned ourselves up by the one who is the image of the invisible God. We were chosen by the one who is supreme over all things. We were chosen by the one who is the creator of all things. We were chosen by the one who holds all things together. Brothers and sisters, we were chosen by the one who is the head of the church. We were chosen by the one who is victorious even over death, hell, and the grave. We were chosen. We were chosen by the one in whom God's fullness dwells. We were chosen by the one who reconciles all things to himself. We were chosen by the one who made peace through his blood. That's the one who chose us. Many of you are still looking at me like, I don't know who this person is. I'm talking about Mary's baby, the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star, 
the word made flesh, the living water, the bread of life. That's the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about the man from Galilee. I'm talking about the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I'm talking about the one who is light and love and peace and goodness and kindness. I'm talking about the one who is mighty, the one who is the wisdom of the wise and the power of the powerful. I'm talking about the one who is truth in every generation. I'm talking about the one whose mind is on me and you for eternity. I'm talking about the lover of our souls and the keeper of our lives. I'm talking about the one who will never leave us nor forsake us. That one's name is Jesus. And brothers and sisters, the good news today is that Jesus chose us. He chose us. He is our beautiful outlaw. And I pray that even if you're not ever exposed to online dating, that you would know the beauty of being chosen by that one. Lord Jesus, You are beautiful. There is harmony in the ways in which all your goodness, all your richness, all your vastness comes together so that you might be all that we need and then some. Father, we praise you today because you are sufficient. That everything we need is bound up in the risen Savior. God, that's what makes you beautiful. So I pray in this room today that every brother and sister will know without a shadow of a doubt that you have chosen them. That you're waiting to pour out your love on them. God, as we prepare for communion today, would you allow this tradition to remind us again of your love? God, I pray if there is one person in this room who feels far from you, who does not know your love, I pray that you are drawing them to you right now. And that today would be the day that they begin a relationship with you. Father, we love you. So thank you for loving us first. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.